Hey family, welcome to Midweek Service Wednesday nights. Welcome to Bible study. So excited you guys are here. Last week we started our new Bible study, The Parables of Jesus. I hope that you watched it. Man, this is going to be powerful, y'all. I know we normally have Sunday services, but on Wednesday nights, as we dive in God's Word, I really believe there's going to be something special about it. I want you to be committed to tuning in to as many Wednesday nights as you can, keeping up with the passages of Scripture. I really think the Word of God can lead us not only through this season, but to the next things that God has for us. So we're going to be going through as many parables of Jesus that we can get to. He's spoken parables, and I think it's important for us to dissect and dive into the way that Jesus communicated multiple times to the people around him. And so I can't wait for tonight. Tonight we're doing the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Many of you know about it. And I wanted to do something different tonight that I'm super pumped about since quarantine, since COVID-19, since we've built Oasis Studios. This is our version of Warner Brothers, you know, our version of Burbank Studios. It's like, this is amazing. We are doing our first four by seven. Yep, that's right. Four speakers, seven minutes each. And I want to introduce them all really quickly. We have none other than the legend, expectant father, Clayton Reisner, everybody. Amazing. We have, y'all might know the legend. I mean, this is just, who doesn't know Jennifer Perkins? She requires no introduction, but our community relations director, Jennifer Perkins, right? And then we got legendary pastor, father, husband, Kenneth Marshall, everybody. Then we have daughter, princess, like, you're like a tool belt, walking tool belt. Anything you need to happen, she makes it happen. Jamaica Henderson, everybody. And I'm introducing myself, Julian Lowe. Somebody give it up for me. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just read the passage of scripture that they're all going to be talking about tonight. And they're going to give their four different perspectives. But I want to read together the entire passage of scripture. And then we're going to see what these amazing communicators, what God has spoken to them. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. We're going to read all the way to verse 32 as quick as we can. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready in the chat. I'm ready here. Okay, cool. Here we go. Ready? Verse 11. Jesus was obviously making a point because it says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I am, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both 
heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. So we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave a brother one goat, not even a young goat, for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This parable of the prodigal son, some of the most profound truths about all of our life following Jesus. Everything we do as Christians can be found in this passage of scripture. So I cannot wait to see what all four of our incredible speakers, what God has spoken to them about this incredible passage. Come on, family, let's begin. Good evening. I didn't realize how long this parable was, so I only had seven minutes to talk about it. So I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to begin where the son, the youngest son, has squandered his inheritance, and now he is feeding pigs to survive. This would have been the lowest of lows for any law-abiding Jew, and the only way he would have gotten this job is because it was the only one available. And as you heard in the passage, he had to convince the farmer to give him the worst job available. I don't know what he thought when he had his job resume on there or when he showed the farmer what he was good at, but he still had to convince him. And here he is trying to fatten the pigs while he himself is starving. He's looking at that food thinking how great it would be just to have some of that, but he himself is starving. He is in a terrible place a terrible place, but how did he get here? I wanna back up to where the youngest son is asking his father for the inheritance. And it says that the father split it amongst them. Who are the them? It is the youngest son and the oldest son. They both got their inheritance at the same exact time. Both of them were living in a house that they had everything. They were blessed. They didn't need anything else. One son left the home. The other son stayed. One son ended up starving. The other son avoided the famine. It seems to me that there was an advantage in staying in the house you got blessed in. And it seems to me that the younger son just got bored of his blessing. 
He got bored. He had everything he needed right then and there. But isn't that like us? To be surrounded by the things we need, but then we just get bored. Now, the older son, the older son, he did have his own things. But since I don't have a lot of time, I'm just going to focus on the younger son. So he's not off the hook either. But have you ever been there where you get a new job and like everything is great? The coworkers are awesome. You're joking. You get one of those ergonomic chairs with those three <laughs> levers. You don't even care what the levers are. You just are excited to have it. You're excited about the job, excited about the drive in. But then a year later, the exact same coworkers, the exact same chair, the exact same drive annoys you, drives you crazy. The blessing didn't change. Our view did. The blessing stayed the same. We just got bored. When Anna and I got to travel a little bit for music, we we knew it was a blessing because that's all we got to do. Uh, We were that was our job was to travel, do music. We loved it. We got this big, beautiful, ugly minivan, and there's nothing mini about this thing. It stood out. (laughs) But we got to travel, we got to do everything. And as, as musicians, that's one of the greatest things is getting to travel, do music. And we knew it was a blessing till it wasn't. Till things started getting annoying, till we started getting on each other's nerves, till we were traveling and we forgot it was a blessing. It got so annoying that I remember my wife looking at me one point, it was near the end, but she looks at me, she's like, do you always breathe that way? <laughs> I was like, Lord God, please help us. But the thing is, the blessing never changed. And I wonder if I forgot it was a blessing because we stopped calling it one. And what you call your blessing, that's what it is. And I believe the son got bored because he stopped calling it a blessing. And I think when you see a blessing, if you call it a curse, that's what it will be. If you call it a blessing, that's what you'll see. When the son was in the house before he left, he was already lost. The son was already lost before he left. And I believe when the father is talking about saying that the son was dead and now he's alive was not about him thinking he was physically dead. I believe the father saw him in the house surrounded by the blessings that he could not see. And sometimes we can be in a place spiritually dead. Or you might think that you were like me and Anna, where we thought our blessings had died. And but yet we're surrounded by our blessings. And why could that be? It could be because we're standing on the blessings and we just don't realize it. it could be that we're trying to get past them to see what else there is. Or maybe there's a wall and there's all these walls of blessings and we're trying to climb the wall to see what else will bless us. But if you're not careful and we don't realize the wall of blessings, the enemy will use the same wall as a foothold. But I have some good news. And here's the best news is if you find yourself, if you find yourself in a place of spiritual death or you feel like you're like us where we thought our dreams or not our dreams, our, our blessings had died. If you're in that place, the good news is, is our father is in the business of resurrecting things. And he has a flawless record. It's perfect. He's the best of the best. Five star on Yelp if you've looked. And the great thing is, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter if you're in the house, if you're outside the house. It doesn't matter if you're feeding the pigs. If you can find a place of humility, if you can find a place of just maybe trying to think about things a little bit different and you go to the father, 
Our Father will be standing at the place ready to meet you. And don't for one second think that you aren't worthy to wear the robe because I have a newsflash for you. He already took your measurements. And that robe is going to fit you perfectly. And this is no ordinary robe. This is, as the pastor said, the best robe because you are God's best. The Son was able to return to the place he left, but this time he's entering the home with a robe, with a ring, with sandals, which says your family again, which means this brother got his blessings back. And he also, it might look different. Sometimes it might look different, but the thing is he now had a renewed relationship with the father. And that relationship with the father will keep you from getting bored. It's when you, when you go to the father and get the kingdom perspective, a perspective we don't have that only the father can, he will remind you of what is around you. He'll remind you of the blessings that are right there. And if you would say, I don't see them, I want to know them, ask the father. Just say, I want to know where are these blessings? He will show you the blessings and he will spend time with you. Our father loves you and that will keep you from getting bored. to ask you, where do you see yourself in the prodigal son parable? In studying this parable, I realize there is a catalyst moment for each son that shows us an opportunity to repent and return to our heavenly father. For the younger son or prodigal son, in losing himself, venturing away from his father's house in a distant land, the catalyst moment is desperation. You see, it's in desperation we come to the end of ourselves and we come to our senses and humility can take place in us. It's also a prime moment to surrender and pursue the true source of relief, which is our Heavenly Father. It is often in desperation that we are led back to God or led to God. And we learn that our ways do not bring us fulfillment. Realizing the Father's plans and ways are higher and better than our own turns us back to the will of God. The younger son made a decision to repent and return home out of desperation. Now for the older son, in losing himself inside the Father's house by caring more about the rules than the relationship, the catalyst moment is a hard heart. It is not enough to be a good person, especially if you are being judgmental against someone by comparing your good deeds versus their misdeeds, doing all the right things, following the rules, but spending time with God in relationship leaves you, if you do not spend time with with God in relationship, it leaves you with a hard heart towards other people when they do wrong because you have no grace, you have no compassion, and it's just a critical spirit. The older son's heart exposed bitterness, showing how ungrateful and how entitled, entitled he was. Although he was outwardly obedient, inside his heart was hardened. An obedient life with a hard heart will leave you empty every time. We will have, we must have relationship with God. And through that relationship, we develop a soft heart that reflects the heart of the father. For me, I see myself in the younger son. I remember my first significant loss when my grandmother passed. She was wise, so sweet and loving towards me. I loved her dearly and I have fond memories of her. When she passed, I spiraled into a deep grief period full of sadness and anger towards God. 
For six months, I could not pray. I could not utter a word to God. I was so heartbroken. I was not my usual self. I was mostly mute and my mood was somber. What I remember most during that time though, his presence, God's presence was so strong with me. During that time, he, he made sure to know that he was with me and it didn't matter how upset I was with him and he never left me. His word said he's with the brokenhearted in Psalm 34, verse 18. At the end of that six months, I came out of that deep state of grief. And like the prodigal son, I came to my senses and immediately I repented back to God. I repented and I returned back to God. He pulled me closer to him in that time period, even when I was distant. It showed me that his love is unconditional and he is pleased when we repent and we return to him no matter what. Whether your life resonates with the younger son, the older son, or both, God wants to have a relationship with his children. He wants to have a relationship with you. We have God's immediate acceptance when we return to him and we are immediately restored in right relationship with him when we do so. Just like in the parable, everything that is the father's is ours when we stick with our heavenly father. And when we uphold the commands of God and walking out his will and ways of doing things, we must draw near to him in relationship because it is through relationship that we will know the heart of the father. And when anything comes up contrary to that, of of God's heart, we can recognize it and resolve to not succumb to it because we have seen and been with the Father. Jesus Christ was the greatest storyteller to ever live. Over one third of his teachings were parables, stories about everyday things like baking bread or farming that hide amazing revelations for those of us willing to look a little bit deeper. I'm glad uh, I'm glad that Julian read the passage of scripture because I was just going to tell you to read it for yourself because I have seven minutes and I got a lot I want to get through. Uh, but I do want to go back to verse one in chapter 15 because like any great communicator, Jesus would know the audience he was talking to. And in chapter 15, we find him talking to a group of notorious sinners and of religious leaders and keepers of the law. So he's talking to people who don't have the Father's heart and who are not following him, some inside the church as well as some outside of the church. So in the time that I have, I wanna share some observations I made about the three people in our story and then pose a question. First, let's talk about the son who left, the younger son, the prodigal son. Now in verse 12, like Clayton shared, we find out that when he asks for his inheritance, the father splits his inheritance between both sons. We don't always remember the fact that they both got what they wanted and what they were owed by their father, what they were going to inherit in that moment. So we read a little bit further. The younger son gets his money. He dips out, got his stimulus check. He dips out of the bubble, wastes his entire inheritance, getting entangled at Magic City, gets hard, goes to find a job at a farm. He's feeding pig. This is a Jewish dude. Pigs are not kosher. It's just all bad. He hits rock bottom. Now, it doesn't tell us how long it took him to waste his inheritance. It doesn't tell us how long he was entangled. It doesn't tell us how long he was feeding pigs. But what verse 17 does tell us is when he finally came to his senses, he returned home. Sometimes it's Satan. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes the mess that we are in, the pig pen that we are in, is a result of our own decisions and bad stewardship. So the thing is, the question is, how long do we have to be in a pig pen before we become uncomfortable and come to our senses? Because that's what sparked him coming home. So 
He didn't have his father's heart, but he got his father's wealth. His downfall was his physical distance from the father. He chose his own way over the ways of the father, his own opinions, his own feelings, his own plan, his own route. And it's important to note, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Inherited blessings without the character to manage them will become wasted. Inherited blessings without the character to manage them will become wasted. Let's talk about brother number two, the older brother. In verse 25, we see brothers coming home. He's been working in the field. There's some catering carriages out front. There's some luxury donkeys in front of the house. There's music, classy, bougie, ratchet. It's going on. There's commotion. He doesn't know what's going on. There's a party. So he asks the doorman, hey, what's going on? Well, your father is throwing a party. We killed the fattest calf. We got a taco truck. It's going down. Your brother has returned safely. The older brother is hot refuses to even go in the house, just can't even celebrate because this is the younger brother who took his inheritance. I've slaved for you my whole life. I've done everything the father asked. I've been here this entire time. And he missed the point because he knew his father's rules, but he didn't know his father's ways. His downfall was his spiritual distance from the father. When we understand gratitude is where love and serving comes from, then we do it out of that place. But when we serve out of obligation, it becomes slaving. Whether it's to our children, our spouses, our friends, our job, to each other, or to God. And our heart becomes hardened. Task-based religion with no relationship makes us bitter and self-righteous. We can become like teachers who forgot what it was like to be a student and carry the pressures of school. We can become like parents who forgot what it was like to be a child and just want to be loved and affirmed and even seen. The generations that come before are meant to lead the generations that come after back to the Father and teach the Father's ways. But if we're not careful, we will become self-righteous and bitter and we will live in judgment of the generation that comes after us because we forgot who raised it. The third person in our story I want to talk about is the Father. There's two things that this tells us about the father in this story. In verse 20, it said that he saw his son while he was still a long way off. He ran and embraced him. Now, the thing that this tells me is, one, the father was keeping watch for his son. He kept hope open that his son would return home, that his son would come to his senses. But it also tells me the father didn't chase the son when he was determined to live his own way and do his own things. Now, in verse 31, the same father begs the older son to join the celebration. Your brother was dead, and now he is found. This tells me that in the eyes of our father, being lost and then found holds the exact same significance as being dead and then resurrected. So in the little bit of time that I have left, I want to ask you a question. Which brother do you identify with? If you're the first brother... I want to ask you, how long, how uncomfortable do you have to become before we return to our father and come to our senses? If you identify with the older brother, then I want to ask, can we celebrate our brothers and sisters when they come home, no matter what they did with their part of the inheritance? Can we love them and be ready to embrace them like our father did? The last thing I want to share with you is how your father sees you. If you're the first brother, your father is waiting, he's watching, he is full of love and compassion for you, and he is praying and waiting for you to return home so he can embrace you, ignore any apology you have, and celebrate you as if you never left. If you're the older brother, your father is with you, 
has always been with you. Everything that he has is yours. He has given it to you freely, the grace and salvation. But he is asking that you be ready to welcome your brothers and sisters with open arms and celebrate them when they return home safely. Thank you. to see you. Actually, we are not seeing you in real life, but I will see you when this is all over. Hey, eh? uh? um, <laughs> I realized with preparing for this message that I have been at Oasis half of my life. Half of my existence on this planet I have spent in this church, which is wild, wild to think about. Um, I've loved being here, but honestly, with being here for this long, I got a lot of stories. I've got a lot of life lessons. And as my new catchphrase is, buckle up. <laughs> You're going to learn one of, one of my lessons that I have learned during this time. I ha- growing up in church, I've heard the story of the prodigal son a bunch of times. And if I could be honest, being a 12-year-old listening to the prodigal son, I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get this. Like, I don't get why he left. I don't get why he would spend all of his money on prostitutes. I cannot connect with this man at all. And it took me a while to get to a point where I could understand the beauty of the father's heart and how he connects with the son and unconditional love. And that's how God views us. And I love that. But if I could be honest, as you have heard from the lovely people behind me, that I connect to the older brother. That's my homie. We, we might be brothers at this point, brother and sister, because I connect to this guy so much. Growing up at Oasis, uh, I have become the little sister to a lot of people. A lot of people on this platform would probably consider me one of their little sisters. And I have seen a lot of people come and go through this church. <laughs> um, it has been an interesting ride. Um, people have been so encouraging and loving and speak life over me. But if I can be honest, a lot of people have made some empty promises and have left as time has gone by. And if I can be honest... That has been tough, right? Can you relate to that? I'm sure that there's been people in your life where you've been like, they're gonna be here forever. We're gonna raise our kids in the same cul-de-sac. It's gonna be so great. And then they disappear and you're like, well, I got trust issues now, right? Um, But to take all this in consideration, this is probably one of the hardest things that someone can go through is losing someone that you love even when you know they haven't died. And reconciling someone leaving is so hard. Reconciling the fact that you thought you were going to grow up with someone for the rest of your life and then they're gone is extremely difficult. So I understand where the older brother is coming through, coming from. I'm going to pick back up in Luke 15, 25, because it's been a while since you heard the message at the beginning when Pastor Julian said it. So it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing as in the house. Like Kenneth was saying, Listen, if I heard classy, bougie, ratchet, and I was in the field, and my roommates were having a party in my house, I would have been so upset. Why didn't no one call me? You just left me in the field? You left me out there doing whatever, and you guys are having a party? I would have been so upset. It says, and then he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you've never given me one goat 
young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, not my dear beloved brother who I love so much, but this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, yikes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We have ha- we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Isn't it interesting how immediately the older brother wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're back, weird. Or even, I'm so glad you're back. Or he didn't even, he couldn't even face his brother. He couldn't even face his brother. He immediately started talking about this stuff. What about my goat? What about all of the things that I was supposed to have? Have you been in that situation before where you've seen someone get promoted or you've seen someone do 10% of the work that you've done and you've seen them get celebrated? I've been there so many times in the back of the room like, "Uh uh-huh, that's okay, I've just worked my butt off and now this guy gets to do what, it's okay, it's okay. And honestly, this is one of the toughest, toughest lessons that I've ever learned is to have the father's heart, to be the, the older brother and say, nope, you know what? I lay it down. I lay down all the stuff that I've done, like Jennifer was talking about. It's not about the stuff. And that's hard. When you work hard, when you've been at this church, I've been at this church for 10 years. I've learned, I know where everything is. You can ask me anything and I know where it is. And there has been so, so many times where I've seen people come in and get blessed and put the robe on. And I, if I could be honest, I've been bitter. All of the thi- I was over here like, oh my gosh, Jennifer is listening all these things that I have been. I've been bitter. I have been angry. I've been frustrated. Have you? Have you grown up in church and sin- seen people be blessed? And you're like, I don't get it. Why do they get the promotion? Why do they get to be married? And I've been believing for my husband for 10 years. I don't understand that. And as I was preparing for this message, God was telling me, you're my son. You have, it says in here, you have everything that I have, which means you do have my heart somewhere in there. Are you tapping into it? Are you committing to a welcome home mentality for your brothers and sisters? When this is all over, we're going to be welcoming home a lot of people. What is your heart posture towards those people? I think now is a time to address that. And if you're the prodigal son, if you connect like what we were talking about earlier, connecting with the prodigal son, I feel like God told me to tell you, would you come back home? This is a calling card. This is a telegram. We miss you. I'm so sorry if you've had a bad experience in church, if you had a bad experience with people in this world. But would you come back home? Dad misses you. I miss you. It's not the same without you. I know that I've been upset. I know that I've been angry. But would you come back home? I love you guys so much. And I'll see you soon. I stole his line. I stole his line. You did steal my closing line, but it was exceptional nonetheless. If you are watching on line right now. Can you put some amen, some claps in the chat in everybody in the room? Give it up for our incredible speakers. That was unbelievable. I was taking notes and I never take notes. I got to share with you some of my, I take notes in the spirit. I get the download tomorrow. That pastor, I get the download. Clayton, board of the blessing. First of all, like Clayton, I was like, I looked the wrong way. I thought it was right. <laughs> I was like, I think I'm getting bored. I was so convicted. 
that when you said that, I was like, and we we like love to script put scripture behind our boarding, our boredom. Like God's doing a new thing when he's not. We're just bored of the old thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm getting bored. You got to be careful when you're in charge and bored because you will make some calls that God is not doing simply because you're bored. I'm like, oh my God, that was so scary. And then Jennifer said, the catalyst to renew your relationship with the father is desperation, a hard heart or a broken heart. And so many times, like, I felt all three. I've been hard-hearted. I've been broken-hearted. And then I've been desperate. And I spend my whole Christian life trying to make sure I'm never those three things again. <laughs> Which, in some ways, makes it difficult to connect with the Father because we, we spend all of our time trying to avoid I'm like, man, that is so powerful. And then, Kenneth, inherited blessings without the character to manage them will be wasted. Did y'all hear that? I'm just like, just put that in the chat. One more time. And then he knew his father's rules, but he didn't know his father's ways. That, I wonder what portion of the church that is. You know what I mean? Like, moving on. And then, and then Jamaica. Jamaica, when she said that nobody told the brother that he could come to the party. I'm sitting there thinking like, like nobody told me. Like, you ever felt not included? Like, how are we supposed to be inclusive of people when people when we don't feel included? So you want me to be, I'm like, you want me to include the lost person. You didn't include me. So, so many times, if you've been in church a while, I love that perspective. You feel like God's not including you in something he seems to be including everybody else in. And now you want me to be happy about what you're including them in that you didn't even tell me about. I'm not getting a word about my husband. I'm not getting a word about my promotion. I'm not getting a word about my calling. I just really connected with how the older brother could be that way. And I, and I love that you didn't villainize him. You related to him. And so, man, what can, can one more time, can you just, I'm telling you, I'm about to resign. I'm about to resign. I'm about to resign. We got plenty of people up here to share God's word. Hey, next week, we're going to be at it one more again, as they, my grandfather used to say, one more again, uh, with the third week of the parables of Jesus. And Man, when this goes online, text it to everybody you know. This is huge, man. What some? We got some profound revelation from this scripture tonight. And stay committed, stay focused, man. Start watch parties virtually if you can, wherever you live. I, I know everything that's going on, but this is going to be important. I think we're going to get a lot of what of out what of out of what God is trying to tell us through these parables. And tonight was exceptional. Stay tuned. Keep, keep online. There's going to be some questions that are going to pop on the screen for you to answer with your friends or by yourself or call someone. Man, tonight was powerful. Can't wait to see you next week for week three, the parables of Jesus. Love you so much, and I'll see you soon. One more time in the room for our amazing guests. Love you, church. We'll see you soon.